Chapter 18 Common Objections and How to Deal with Them I have no time for religion. When a man offers this excuse, it means that he is not interested. He has all the time there is, and if he considered his salvation a matter of much importance, he would take time for it. He may be so crowded with business and home that he cannot attend many meetings, but that need not prevent him from being a Christian. Our Roman Catholic acquaintances, who belong almost wholly to the laboring class and whose time is not their own as a rule, are the most regular churchgoers in the community. The fact is that people find time for what they consider important. I know a young man who wished to attend a certain series of meetings. The factory where he was employed was running evenings. Every man was expected to work overtime for a few weeks during the busy season, for which, of course, they received extra pay. He was not a Christian, but went to his employer and asked to be excused from working evenings for a week. He also went without supper each night to attend the services. Very soon, he gave his heart to God, and before the end of the week, he had the pleasure of seeing his brother converted through his instrumentality. When one offers the lack of time as an excuse for not being a Christian, it is well to show him by some simple illustration that this is not the real reason. Say to him, If, in addition to your regular work, you had an opportunity to earn $100 each week by one hour of extra work, would you accept the offer? He will doubtless answer, I think I would. In other words, if you want time for something extra, you manage to find it. You see, my friend, the simple fact is that you do not feel the need for salvation and are not interested in it. You are in the condition described in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Why not face the fact, disagreeable as it may be? When people ask you why you are not a Christian, give them the real reason instead of offering a false one. Furthermore, if you do not take time to consider this question of salvation, you will soon lose your capacity to know God and will be in the condition described in the 19th verse of the same chapter. They, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Remind him that religion does not consist of sermons and prayer meetings, but of maintaining a certain attitude towards God, which he can assume in a moment and maintain in the midst of the busiest life. Repentance towards God and love to one's fellow men does not conflict with anyone's duty, nor is it a waste of time. On the contrary, it saves time, sweetens toil, and enriches the whole life. I will think about it. Some minds mature very slowly, and if one really has never considered what is involved in becoming a Christian, it may be well to give him a little time for reflection. As a rule, however, this excuse is only another way of saying, not now. We should show the person that he already has all the information he needs for an intelligent decision. If he waited a dozen years, he would not be any better prepared, but on the contrary, he would be less disposed to decide than now. There are only two things that he needs to know. He is lost, and Christ is the only Savior. These two things he knows already, and all that remains for him to do is to accept Christ as his Savior. Show him that continual thinking on the subject will not make the decision any easier, 
but continual rejection of Christ will surely make it harder. An old man in New Britain, Connecticut, publicly confessed Christ one night. When asked if this was the first time he seriously considered the matter, he replied, No, I have been thinking hard on this question for over thirty years. One moment of decision accomplished more for him than thirty years of thinking. It is a great mistake for people to think that they can be saved when they please. The only time a man can be saved is when God chooses to save him, and God's time is now. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2 No one has a right to say that he will think it over and decide when he is ready. God calls for an immediate decision. He commands us to lay down the weapons of our rebellion and surrender unconditionally. When Mr. Moody was holding meetings in Hartford, Connecticut many years ago, he urged a man to accept Christ at once one night. Finally, the man replied, Well, Mr. Moody, I will promise you this. I will attend the meeting tomorrow night and accept Christ as my Savior then. That man never reached his home alive. The train on which he traveled ran off a bridge at Tariffville, and many lost their lives. Among them was the man who promised Mr. Moody that he would repent the next night. That experience, said Mr. Moody, taught me a lesson. Never to let anyone off with a promise, but to press them hard for an immediate decision, and if that failed, to show them the peril of even a night's delay. Tomorrow is the devil's time. Do not trust him. He is a deceiver and the father of lies from the beginning. So many conflicting opinions. Occasionally, we meet a person who claims there are so many conflicting opinions among Christians that he does not know what to believe. Remind him that the differences of opinion, as a rule, relate to minor matters, such as the mode of baptism or the method of church government, and not to the vital question of salvation. All evangelical denominations agree that there is only one way of salvation from sin, repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. While they may differ some as to forms of worship and methods of government, it is foolish for one to divert his attention to these side issues and lose sight of the main question. Besides, it is an indication of mental laziness when one is not willing to search the scriptures and form an opinion of his own. God has given us the Bible, which reveals his will, and a mind capable of understanding it. John chapter 20 verse 31. God's will concerning the way of salvation is revealed so clearly that even a child can understand it. What excuse have we then for deferring our duty? We have no right to hold this matter of repentance in suspense simply because there are some things in the Bible that we do not understand. There will always be things we do not understand, and if we wait until we understand everything, we shall never be saved. If we will obey that part of God's word that we do understand, we will soon get light on some of the obscure things. Daniel Webster states his position very clearly in a letter written to a friend. I believe that God exists in three persons. This I learn from Revelation alone. Nor is it any objection to this belief that I cannot comprehend how one can be three or three one. I hold it my duty to believe not what I can comprehend or account for, but what my Maker teaches me. I believe religion to be a matter not of demonstration, but of faith. God requires us to give credit to the truths He reveals, not because we can prove them, 
but because he reveals them. At one time, there was a great revival at Yale College. Horace Bushnell was the most popular tutor in college, but he was not a Christian. He knew that his position was a stumbling block to some of the students, and it troubled him greatly. He said to himself, I don't believe in the Bible, and I do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I cannot play the part of a hypocrite just to help others. What can I do? A voice seemed to say to him, Horace Bushnell, what do you believe anyhow? Well, one thing I believe is that there is an absolute difference between right and wrong. Well, have you ever taken a stand on what you do believe? Have you ever taken your stand on the right to follow it wherever it carries you, even if it carries you over the Niagara Falls? No, I never have, but I will. He prayed, O God, if there is any God, show me if Jesus Christ is your Son, and if you will show me that, I promise to accept him as my Savior and confess him before the world. In a short time, the light burst upon his soul. Horace Bushnell came out on the side of Christ, and almost every young man at Yale was converted. I once met a man on the train who claimed to be a skeptic. He said there were so many different religions that he did not know what to believe. One claims that we ought to worship Buddha and another Confucius. Some say that Mormonism is the true religion, and I suppose you would say that Jesus Christ was the only Savior. In the midst of all these conflicting opinions, how is one to know what to believe? I said to him, My friend, did you ever embrace any one of these religions? No, sir. You remember the fable about the horse, which stood between two stacks of hay. He was about to take a bite from one when a smell of clover came from the other so inviting that he hesitated. Then he caught a whiff from the other that led him to turn again. Finally, he starved to death between the two stacks because he could not decide between them. Now, my friend, are you not making the same mistake the horse made? Here you stand in the midst of all these religions, starving your soul because you do not know which one to choose. Had you not better embrace one of them and do it quickly? If you think that Buddhism is the most promising, become a Buddhist. If you think Mormonism is from God, become a Mormon. If you find salvation from sin in these religions, continue in them. But if not, then accept Christ as your Savior, and I am sure you will find salvation in Him. He is the true seek no further. But by all means, embrace some religion and do it quickly, for you are starving your soul for the lack of someone to worship and obey. I believe there is some truth in what you say, said the man, but this is my station and I must leave you. I am glad we have had this conversation and I hope we shall meet again. Apparently the man was convinced of his mistake and was becoming interested, but he was leaving the car and what could I do? I thought of the little package of leaflets which I usually carry, and selecting a couple, I rushed out on the platform and gave them to him. One was the Christian life card, and the other was a leaflet written by Dr. J. W. Chickering of Washington, D.C. Before he died, the author had the names of over 1,700 people who had either written or told him personally that they attributed their conversions to this tract. Then I commended the man to God hoping that the next Christian who met him might lead him further along. Perhaps some of my readers have met him. What success did you have?